How many is excited to be here this morning? Amen. If you're not, well, stinks to be you, because I am, all right? So, we've been going through a series uh, over the past several weeks. I think last week was our third week. Um, we're going over a series on the family. And we've touched on a diff- couple different things. The first week we talked about husbands. second week we talked about wives and the mystery and about, not the mystery with wives, but the mystery, the mystery with, you know, what it means in that portion of scripture, how it talks about the church. And last week we started on kids will be kids. How many here have heard that saying before? Kids will be kids. And I want you to understand if you're here this morning, you don't have kids. If you listen to last week's message, this message is just as much for anybody who doesn't have kids as much as those who do have kids. Because God places kids in our lives even though they're not our own. And I said this last week, you know, if your kids are around me, I would expect that you would expect for me to be a godly influence around your kids. Vice versa, if my kids are around you, I would expect, as somebody that follows Christ, that my ki- you're going to be a good example and a godly influence around my kids. And I said it last week, parents should not feel bad for p- pulling their kids away from different people. Because well, how many know we need to protect our kids? We need to protect our kids. And not everybody your kids are meant to be around. Not everybody your kids are around are people that are going to protect your kids and really look out for your kids or, or worry about what they hear or what they watch and different things. And we, we have to be godly influences and set great examples for the kids that God has placed in our lives. Even if it's Tommy down the road that shoots basketball with your kids during the week, or if it's a grandson or a nephew or a niece or whoever it is, we need to be an example to the generation that's coming up behind us. I believe when we go, we can leave a legacy. We can leave something behind that these kids will will look up to or remember. Because one way or another, you're influencing kids. You can't not influence kids. No matter what you do, you're influencing them either for good or for bad, one way or another. So if you missed the first part of this last week, you can go online. We talked about being intentional. I mean, if you're not intentional to raise your kids in a godly manner, there's plenty of worldly people out there that will be intentional to raise your kids in a worldly manner. And it's very important that we make sure that we are intentional with our children. Look, we, we must be intentional with, 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 with reading with them and, and studying God's word and different things like that. And you might be like, well, Pastor John, I've never really done that. Look, it took me a while to get to that place where I was like, okay, we need to do this. But when I did, your kids will, your kids will remind you that it needs to be done, right? Because you've started something. I mean, there, there's been nights where I'll send my kids to bed and we won't do devotion and I'll go in Lydia's room. She'll be like, are we going to read, right? Because when you start something, How many know they expect that? Right? So that can be for good or for bad. If you're starting a bad habit, they're going to expect you to continue in that bad habit. But if you start godly habits, doing things that that are right in raising your family or raising your kids or helping other people's kids uh, come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and, and raise them in a godly manner, we must show them godly habits and stick to them. How many teachers are in the house? School teachers. We got five, six, seven, eight hands going up. You play a part in kids' lives every day, right? How you react, how you respond, how you treat people plays a big impact on these kids' lives and things that they're going to remember. It's very important. 
So this morning, I want to talk about giving godly instruction. How many of you ever heard the saying, I heard this from different people growing up, don't do as I do, do as I say. Right? <laughs> but if you think about this, so, that's such a stupid saying. It, it's, it's really dumb, thank you. It's really, it's a dumb saying, don't do as I do, do as I say. So basically what you're saying is, you want to do whatever you want, but you want your young ones to grow up in a different way. But at the end of the day, they're going to follow your example. People don't understand, well, my kids will be whoever they want to be. No, they're going to be who you've trained them to be. And they're going to be the example that you have set before them. So when we say, don't do as I do, do as I say, maybe we need to change what we do. Maybe we need to, when, when you tell your kid, oh, I don't want you doing that, I don't, well, you, well, you do it. Anybody ever had that thrown up in your face? My kids are only seven or eight, and I've had that thrown up in my face many times, right? Well, you, I heard you say that. Like I said last week, it was once, Johnny. It was once. <laughs> Let it go. You've said it 30 times just because I've said it once, right? Let it go. But they pick up on stuff, right? So, so maybe instead of saying, don't do as I do, do as I say, maybe we should start thinking, follow my example as I follow Christ, just like the scripture talks about. Follow my example as I follow Christ because there's a lot of parents and people that want to give kids instruction, but they don't want to chew on their, their own instruction. Some are quiet today, that's all right. Look, you can talk to church people about anything besides correction. Seriously, you can talk to church people about anything and they'll love you and they'll get all hoo-hollering and all high-fives and excited about it. But when we start talking about things that are correcting us, Right? I said this a couple weeks ago. None of these messages I'm preaching is because I've got this all together. I don't. I failed over and over and over and over again as a dad. Have. I've probably said some things and reacted in ways I probably shouldn't. I've probably dumped a cup of water over my kid's head when I shouldn't have done that. You know what I mean? It's like, I've done some things. Right? I've done... <laughs> I'm not going to share that story, but... Anyway. Actually, I'm going to. Abigail was... It was Abigail, right? Wasn't Abigail in the bedroom? This was like not too long ago. <laughs> tantrum. You want to talk about one of our four kids that throws some tantrums? Abigail. Takes after her father. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So I just had this, I don't even know if I should admit this. I just had this, like she would not stop like screaming and freaking out. So you know when you're screaming and freaking out, you must be getting pretty hot, right? You must be getting, you know. So I said, you know what? I looked at her. I said, I'm going to go dump a whole glass of water right down over her head. <laughs> Some of you are looking at me like, you're horrible. I just said I don't do everything perfectly all the time. All right? <laughs> but it was actually kind of funny in the same time, too. So she's in there freaking out. And, like, literally, I walked in. And she would not stop screaming. I took that cup of water, cold water, and I dumped it right down over the top of her head. <laughs> And she literally stopped screaming right away and just looked at me. <laughs> and then I got water all over. I mean, this is a good-sized cop. I mean, this is a good-sized I got water all over the floor, and I made her clean it up. <laughs> but she got pretty calm and cool after that, after that happened. But anyway, so I haven't always maybe handled things the best way I should. I mean, that's not major. I mean, come on. It's just a glass of water. Get over it. But... But I don't preach these messages because I'm, I'm perfect in any of these areas. We're all imperfect people serving a perfect God. Right? 
You might not be the perfect mother. You might not be the perfect father. You might not be the perfect husband. You might not be the perfect wife. And let me burst your bubble. You probably never will be. You probably never will be. Some of you are like, well, I don't want to marry him because he ain't perfect. Well, listen, Sister Lucy, all right? She's, he's probably never going to be perfect, right? But if it's the person God has put in your life and God has told you this is the person you're going to be with, maybe you should allow God to perfect him. We want everything picture perfect. Nothing's ever going to be picture perfect, right? Not everything's the way it looks on social media, right? Not everything's the way it looks on TV. Some of you watch TV shows and you're like, man, I wish my family was like that. I wish my kids got along like that. It's a movie. <laughs> and it's a complete lie from hell. Nobody's family is that perfect. Nobody's. But we get all sucked into all this stuff. Oh, I wish this, I wish that. And we try to be something, this picture perfect, when we need to realize, look, I'm not perfect. I'll never be perfect, but I serve a perfect God that I want to perfect me every day, me and my household. Every time you fail, you get back up. Every time you fall, you get back to your feet. Every time you get knocked down, you get back up again. I'm not going to sing the song, but you all know where I'm going. Right? You get back up again. Because success, let me tell you this, true success is found in failures. Some of you need to hear this this morning. True success is found in failure. If you never failed, you'd never succeed. That's good preaching right there. I don't care who you are, and that's just coming out naturally. Listen, I'm not that smart. Thank you, Lord. Right? Your greatest success is going to be found in your greatest failure. Because success is not always standing. Success is falling and getting back up again. Now, I'm not saying that you're leaving this place saying, man, I'm going to aim for success, so Lord, help me fall. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. But some of you think that you're not successful because you have failed. But your failure has actually brought you to a level of success that you never thought you'd get to because your mindset is always on your failure. When you've been successful, you might have failed last week, but you're not failing in that manner anymore. You're not failing in that area of your life anymore. So even though you're failed, you have failed in the past, you're not a failure. It's like this is the only thing. Now, I know some people don't agree with this, and this is fine. This is one of the biggest issues I have with AA meetings and, and, and Alcoholics Anonymous and all these different things. Now, I know these groups help people, and don't leave this place and say, Pastor said I can't go to those things. I used to lead worship for places like that. I used to lead worship in Bangor, Maine for an AAA recovery place and, and all these different things. I used to do that, and I think they're great programs that people have support and stuff like that, but what I disagree with is I will never get up behind a pulpit and say, my name's John and I am an alcoholic. Because, and, and the reason I disagree with this is because you're constantly speaking things over your life that you no longer are. I know people who have been sober for 15 years and still stand behind a podium every time they go to a group meeting and say, my name's Dan and I'm an alcoholic. You've been sober for 15 years. You're not an alcoholic anymore. You've been set free and whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And stop standing up and publicly admitting something that you're not. And I know some people, and there's probably people in this room that go to things like that. And I'm not saying you can't go to things like that. But you need to remember that some of you not, need to stop speaking about what your failure was, who you were, and what you used to be. And you need to start talking a little bit more from where God brought you from to where you are today because God has set you free. Pastor John, I thought we were talking about kids this morning. Me too. 
Where are you going with this? I don't know. I don't know. Can I tell you this? Some of you are, are, are standing in a, in a failure because you haven't learned to stand on the rock. Some of you are still standing in disappointment. Can I tell you this? You'll never raise your family right unless you raise them on the firm foundation. You never will. I need some help this morning. What's, what's here that I can use? What's here? Right here. Okay, this will work right here. You're going with me this morning. I don't care where we're going, but we're going. Now, before smart Alex kick in, I know this is wood, all right? I know this isn't a rock, all right? But what's our, what's our theme scripture? On this rock, I will build my church. He, what he's saying in scripture, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. We sing another song, build your church, here at church. And this is, Christ is my what? Christ is my firm foundation. He says, on this rock, he will build his church. Who is the rock? Christ. Christ is in us. Right? If he's not, he can be before you leave today, I promise you. Right? What else does the Bible say? The Bible also says that if we don't build our, our life on the solid rock, when things happen, our house, our spiritual house, will be torn to pieces. Why? Because we've built it on the sand. I mean, oh, you build something on, a, on sand, there ain't no good salt. You want to know how great sand is? When the heat starts coming out, you look at that church parking lot. It's nasty and it's very frustrating. But you know what? Sand causes a mess. It's not solid. As soon as liquid gets down on that ground, how many know it's, it's, it's rutted up? We've had to shut down that entrance a couple times last year. We've had to do different things because sand is not something that you should be building anything on. Some of you just need to hear this today. You need to stop building on something that's not. Why do I say not? Because anything other than the firm foundation is not going to be successful in your life. It will not be. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. Some of you need to understand, before your kids will ever be affected by the gospel or, or, or the spiritual walk that you have in your home, you need to learn to stand on the solid foundation. Why are so many people going this way? Some of you here this morning, you're over here to the left with discouragement. You're over here to the right with worry. You're over here in your failures. You're over here in this woe is me mentality. You're being tossed back and forth. I mean, oh, if something's on a sandy beach and the wind picks up, you don't know where it's going to go. Right? But when you're built on the solid foundation, it's not just for you, it's for your whole entire household. We did a series not too long ago. As for me and this house, we will serve the Lord. You cannot successfully serve the Lord if you are always on the sand. But you can successfully serve the Lord when you stand on the firm foundation. The rock on which I stand. 
Catch me now. The rock on which I stand. Some of you every week are going left and right and you're blown this way and you're blown that way because you're just attending church. You're building nothing on a solid foundation. Pastor, don't look so angry. I ain't angry, I promise. I've said this before, I'll say it again. I wouldn't say half the stuff I would say if I didn't love you and if I didn't want to see what God has in store for you come to pass in your life. But I will promise you this, that nothing will ever come to pass in your life that God wants for your life if you are not building on the solid foundation. What's the song say? On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand. That should be the motto for your home. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other, if you build your house on anything this world tells you to build it on, you're going to sink. It's going to crumble. It's going to fail you. Some of you think right now your job is your biggest success in life. Oh, I got this, I got that, I can do this, I can do that. Look, your job is nothing compared to what God will do for your life when you build on the solid foundation. On Christ, not on my job do I stand, not on the world's securities do I stand, not on whatever the world offers do I stand. I don't stand on other people. I stand on the solid rock. He said, you are Peter and on this rock. Uh, what, let me tell you this. I believe God has said that to each and every person. But we don't accept it. You are Jaden, and on this rock I'll build my church. You are Mark, and on this rock I'll build my church. What if we all had the mentality that we are the rock that Jesus wants to build his church on? Yes, he spoke to Peter. Yes, you weren't physically standing there. But I believe that, that God wants to build his church in you, through you, and around you. But he can't build a church in you unless you're on him. You have to, you can't, he can't put nothing in you if all you do is stand on the sand and just do whatever you want to do and whatever you feel like you should do and all these different things and accept the world's terms of things and accept what the world wants you to do and how the world wants you to do it. You will never receive the blessing of God living on the sand. How can we impact our kids if we don't even allow the solid rock to impact our own lives? Hear me this morning. Why should we expect our kids to grow up any better than us if we don't want to change ourselves? Well, I can't wait when they get older. I hope they're not like me. Change who you are. Change who you are so as you stand on the solid foundation, you know what? I believe your kids will learn to stand on the solid foundation. And when they grow up and when they grow old and they go through the darkest times of their life, because I'm going to tell you what, you can't protect your kids from hard times. You cannot protect your kids from getting hurt. Some of you need to learn that now as they're already 30, 40 years old and cut the cord. You cannot protect them the rest of your life. They're going to get hurt. Things are going to affect them. Things are going to bother them. They're going to have times when they may be stressed out and burnt out. But the biggest thing you can do for them now is teach them in moments like that. They know that they don't have to go to the rock. They continually stand on the rock and let the firm foundation guide them in every area of their life. I know we're talking about kids, but man... 
Don't expect your kids to become somebody that you yourself are not willing to become. If we can't stand on the solid foundation, why should we expect them to? If we can't, if we can't spend time with God, why should we try to get them to? If we don't have a prayer life, why should we tell them they need one? If we're not givers, why should we tell our kids that they need to be givers? If we don't help the needy, why should we tell them to help the needy? They're going to become what you have instilled in them. Well, they're their own person. They have to find their own way. Shut up. Because it's stupid. That's just, I can't, I hate that. I hate that. They'll find their own way. Why don't you be the biggest light in their life that will guide them down the ways they need to go? Don't send them out in the dark with no light. Don't tell them, oh, just go. Go find your own way. Go do your own thing. No, that's the problem is too many people are giving this generation rising up too many options. When there's only one way, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. You will not get to the Father unless you build on the solid foundation. On this rock, I will build my church. Can I tell you what? God has built this church. God has built this church. I said to Mark before worship started, I said, we, we've been almost full just about every week this year already. You're like, well, it's only been a month. I, that's a good streak for us. Leave me alone. Let me enjoy it. Right? That's a good streak for us. But you know what? I don't, if, 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 if 50% of you weren't here, God has still grown his church. Compared to one when we started, to where we are now, on this rock I'll build my church. That's why when, I, when we started trying to figure out a new name for the church and I was going down the road late at night, I said, Lord, what do you want me to name my church? And that was just general conversation. I wasn't meaning necessarily anything by it, like, oh, it's mine. You know, that wasn't what I was meaning. But sometimes even when you don't mean what you mean, what you say, you still get corrected on sometimes. You know? And the Lord spoke to me and said, it's not your church, it's my church. And instantly I got the verse, Matthew 16, 18, in the back of my head. And I looked at Matthew 16, 18. Pastor, you should have known what it was. It was late at night, all right? Leave me alone. <laughs> so I looked it up, and it was on this rock I'll build my church. And I said, it's not my church, it's his church. And Christ has built his church. And some of you are still living in slumber, and some of you are still asleep, and some of you just need to learn to wake up, but you're never going to wake up as long as you are standing on the beach. How many don't like storms? But can I tell you this? Don't worry, I ain't dumping water on anybody. <laughs> can I tell you this? Storms are coming. Because if storms weren't coming, that place in Scripture about building on the sand or the firm foundation would never exist. How many here have been through some storms? And if it was not for your firm foundation, where would you be? And let's play this another way. How many have been through some storms and if it weren't for somebody else's firm foundation, where would you be? Because I'm going to tell you this, you building your life on the firm foundation does not just benefit you, but it benefits those. And how many are thankful that there's plenty of room on the rock? Right? There's plenty of room on the rock. There's plenty of room for people to be rescued. Even though people are going to refuse. Look at Noah, right? I mean, oh, you gotta, you got to have some faith in God to do what Noah did. Right? This humongous boat, all these different things. Nobody believed him. And how many know they learned awful quick? 
that what God said would happen. When God said he would send rain. Now, it doesn't say in deep. How many know if the Bible had everything in it, we'd never be able to read it? So I'm the type of guy where it's like, where, what's going on between the lines? It doesn't say that Noah ever questioned himself in his mind. It doesn't say that Noah ever had some tempting thoughts of, man, I don't want to do this. Or that he wants to quit. Because how many know that's human nature? How many know human nature in your mind? There'll be many times where you say, I can't. And you need to remind yourself when you say you can't, that that's true. You can't, but God can. And when you stand on the solid foundation, nothing's too hard for God. And because of that, the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You don't think when I started this church back almost nine years ago that I didn't question, is this where I need to be? That I didn't question, is this going to work out? That I didn't question if I don't know how we're going to do it financially? That I didn't question all these different things when I was here? Oh, big time. Big time. My wife's laughing about it over there. I tried to get out of this place faster than you wouldn't believe. Multiple times. Multiple times. Sent resumes multiple times. Nothing this week, I promise, but <laughs> nothing recently. But I did the first couple of years I was here because I had no idea how I was going to do it. How I was going to do it. I had nobody here at first. How I was going to do it. And I'm going to tell you this, looking back, if I didn't get out of that on my own mentality, I wouldn't be where I am now. I had to come to the place where I know I can't do it. But he can. And if he can, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. If he can, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells within me. If he can, nothing is too hard for him. Therefore, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Listen. And we look around the room. We look around the room and see different people. I've seen multiple. Look, there's some people who have come in and have never come back. Those things don't disappoint me anymore. Those things don't discourage me anymore. Because just them coming in, no matter how they responded or how they reacted before they left, the seed was planted. The seed was planted. Look, some of you need to understand this this morning. When you stand on the solid foundation, just because you're on the solid foundation doesn't mean you're called to see the end result of everything in life. You may never see the end result of the seeds that you planted. But you planted them. Matthew, get back here. I didn't think of this until you started wanting to get out of here. But anyway, he's not leaving, I'm sure. No, I'm not, I, know I really want you to come here for a second. I, was, I wasn't getting you in trouble, I promise. I wasn't getting you in trouble. Now, I know, I know Paul and Rochelle's not here, but Carlos and Bella are here. <clears throat> now, I want to talk to you for a second <clears throat> about the benefit of being on the rock. I'm sorry, guys. Look, I'm not even going to. Next week, all right? The benefit of being on the solid foundation. Look, that's what I love about everybody here is you're cool with going with what the Spirit wants to say. 
Look, I can plan seven weeks of a series and know what I'm going to preach, but if I get here on a Sunday and the Lord says, nope, that's not what you're doing, I ain't doing it. So don't get your hopes up. Don't think you're going to get what you think you're going to get. You'll get what you get and what the Holy Spirit wants to get you, give you. You have a choice to receive it or not. Anyway, so I'm on the rock. I'm on the solid foundation. When you're standing on the rock and you're on the solid foundation, you're called to be a witness. You're called to go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. You're called to share the good news. Can I tell you this? Anybody who builds their life on the sand is not successful in telling people about the rock. That's stupid. That, like, think about that. That's not, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to, to figure that out. You can't successfully talk about something that you yourself have never tried. You can't. And anybody who's on the sand is not going to really know what it feels like to be on the rock, on the solid foundation. But you've experienced the solid foundation. I want you to understand this. We've been doing uh, donations and stuff for the homeless ministry out back for quite a while now. And Paul and Rochelle and Carlos and Bella, and if there's anybody else that goes, I'm not aware of it. If you go, thank you. But they go and, and uh, pass out food and supplies and different things on Saturdays. And also, I know Paul and Rochelle go other days during the week, I think, as well. Every day. Every day. Now, you were homeless right. on the streets of Lewiston as of, what, three weeks ago? Right. Paul and Rochelle brought him to church three weeks ago. This is your third week here. Paul and Rochelle brought him three weeks ago. Gave his life to the Lord has signed up for water baptism, no longer homeless, coming into church, and now going out with Paul and Rochelle to be a witness for what God has done in his life. So what happened to him? You were, you were on the sand for quite a long time. And everything in life, I don't want to fall off this rock. <laughs> but everything going on in life was blowing you all over the place. Especially if you were living outside, right? I mean, it was everywhere. You were going no matter where you could find shelter, wherever you could find peace, wherever, and whatever the world tried to offer you. But because those that went, those that are on the solid foundation, were able to tell him about the solid foundation. And therefore now he's not on the sand... He is now on the, on the solid foundation. Received Christ. Has signed up for water, to be water baptized. And I believe because he has put his life on the solid foundation, his greatest days are ahead of him. His worst days are behind him. Because even in the light, I'm, not, I'm never going to tell him that he's never going to have bad days. But why can I say his greatest days are ahead? Because even in his toughest times of life, he serves the, a great God Amen. that's going to bring him through and knowing that he is taken care of. God's going to supply all of his needs. And where he is right now is not where he's going to stay. God's going to continue to elevate him from success to success to success. But how many know, like I said earlier, he wouldn't have the success story that he has without the failure that he walked through. Amen. You cannot have a testimony without a test. 
I wish I had like sound effects that Kyle could hit in the back. Doing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I like him on. You're good, man. <laughs> right? You 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 can't have a testimony without a test. Can I tell you this? Everybody here has a different testimony. I've actually heard people say, "Well, I don't really want to share my testimony because it's not as awesome and cool as that guy's testimony." That guy was like strung out. He was like suicidal. He was all this stuff, and now he serves the Lord. I just like lied sometimes. <laughs> like literally, this is how people think. I don't have a really good testimony because I just look, look. We were all on our way to hell. Amen. We were all dead in our sins, but yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Whatever testimony you've got, your testimony is just as powerful as somebody else's testimony. Because it's not how bad, messed up you were. It's not all the bad things you did or how many times you were in jail compared to somebody else. What's important was you were on the fast lane to hell. But thank God for a roadblock. Right? Thank God for a roadblock, something that stopped you in your tracks. And God said, no, they're not going there. We're taking a different route. Right? And how many are thankful that some of you found out that different route and what it was? And where it's brought you from to where you are today. How many are thankful that if you remained on the sand following the ways of the world? Some of you, some of you here this morning are just simply stubborn. That's what it is. And I am not scared to say it. Come at me, bro. Right? I ain't scared to say it. Some of you are just simply stubborn and thick-headed. And you just need to open up your heart and your mind to realize that you would not be where you are right now if it were not for God. Some of you might not even be saved right now, but you still wouldn't be where you are right now if it weren't for God. Why? Because God has used other people placed in your life to try to bring light into your life. And you would have been far worse today than you would ever have been if you didn't have those people in your life that were a firm foundation. You're like, well, I haven't accepted Jesus into my life yet. Well, can I tell you there? What? He's already there. You just don't know it. And you just ain't received it yet. But some of you have been protected. Some of you have gone through some things. Some of you have struggled with some things. Let me tell you what. Even when I wasn't serving God, I knew that God was real. Even when I tried running from it. You're looking at somebody that grew up as a pastor's kid. And I thought for a long time, well, my parents are saved. They're on the solid foundation. I guess I'm good to go, right? If they go, I'm going too. But that ain't how it works, church. Right? And I really didn't have a solid foundation just maybe a couple months before I met my wife. <laughs> and still struggled after that. But I had to come to the place where I needed to realize I can't go based off everybody else. I need to have a solid foundation. Can I tell you this? I was a freshman in Bible college and still struggled with being on a foundation. No, I knew I was called to ministry. I knew I was called to, to do uh, whatever God has called me to do. I always knew that ever since I was a little kid, but I ran from it because I wanted nothing to do with it. Why did I want nothing to do with it? I'm going to be honest with you. Because I saw so much garbage in the church. I saw, saw so much garbage in the church and things take place in the church. I saw so much things go on behind my father's back as a pastor and different things and hurts and wounds and all these things and some stuff being swept under the rug, things never being taken care of, families against families, all these different... I saw garbage. 
You know what? I wanted nothing to do with that. Did my own thing. But aren't you thankful the pattern of things that you saw in life is not the pattern in which the way you have to continue? Right? I look back as, as being a pastor because different things I saw. Now I know, as a pastor myself, different things. It's actually benefited me. Because I saw different things. I saw what to look out for. I saw what to, you know, when, the, when I have discernment, when I have checks in my spirit. I, I don't take those things lightly. Because I saw different things growing up. And even when I came to that place where I wanted nothing to do with it, I wanted to do my own thing. I was in bad relationships. I was drinking and I smoked my fair amount of weed and all these different, I did stuff. But even when I did those things, I knew what I know. What we talked about last week, train up a child in the way they should go and when they're old, they won't depart from it. What didn't I forget? I'd never forgot what my parents instilled in me. I never forgot the way. I just didn't want to take it that day. That's good. Amen. Amen. That's good. I, I shock myself sometimes. Believe me. But it was always there. It was always there. Why? Because when, you, when your parents are, when you as a parent are on the firm foundation and you teach your kids about the firm foundation, even maybe they don't want to be on the firm foundation yet, they know. They know. And I don't think it was still almost the end of my freshman year of Bible college. You ask Tony, any story I start with, hey, dude, my freshman year of Bible college, he knows it ain't going to be a good story, right? He knows it's something about my wild days or whatever. But look, why do I say this? Because you can be in church every Sunday and not have a firm foundation. I was in Bible college preparing to be a pastor, and I didn't have a firm foundation. Why? Because a firm foundation is a daily process, something you must build your life on. Even when life... Stinks. I mean, no, life sometimes like stinks. That's just, just true. But even in times when life is not going the way you want it to go, you can still follow the way and he can show you the way. Even when right now you can't see what's going on or why or what the end result's going to be. Life's not always fair. I've said that to my kids many times. That ain't fair. Life ain't fair. Get over it. Because <laughs> life is how you react to life makes the difference. Life isn't always going to be fair. There's going to be hard times. There's going to be difficult times. I'll never be a pastor that stands up like a lot of these phony balonies and say, just give your life to the Lord. It's all going to be easy peasy. Run from them preachers. <laughs> Run fast. Because it ain't true. There will be hard times. Especially if you follow Christ. There will be. Let me tell you what. This comes at a cost. It will cost you everything. And there will be hard times, there will be difficult times, but when you're on the firm foundation, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. On Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. You might get up tomorrow morning, you've got this problem that you're facing. On Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. You want to be effective in raising your kids? Get yourself on the solid foundation. You want to be effective in any other relationship in your life? You need to get yourself on the solid foundation. Because if he is not the center of everything, nothing will work. Nothing will. I, look, I'm, I'm just as blown away by this as everybody else is. I don't know who's here or who God placed in this building today that needed to hear what came out instead of what I had prepared. But whoever that may be, one, two, three, four, everybody, I, I don't care. Whoever it may be, I'm going to challenge you with this. 
Don't reject it. Why? Because the Bible says no man know the time or the hour in which Christ shall come. No man know the time or the hour in which Christ shall come. And just for clarity, if you study the Bible, that means you too, women. You don't know either. <laughs> Nobody knows the time or the hour in which Christ shall come. I want to ask you a serious question. I want you to think about this. And if you think I'm saying a bunch of hogwash, that's on you. That's between you and God. I'm responsible for what I say, what I preach, and what I do behind this pulpit. If Christ were to come back tonight, where would you spend eternity? And you know, there's people and pastors that I've met that discourage asking that question behind the pulpit because it scares people. I ask the question because I love you. I'm not here to scare the hell out of you. I'm here to love the hell out of you. Because some of you are in hell right now. And when people love you and show you the love of Jesus Christ, you can literally love the hell right out of somebody. And if I didn't love you, and some of you just need to step back and pay attention to what I just said and don't accuse me of something else. And when you love people, you'll tell them the truth. You'll tell them the truth. That's why we live in a generation today where all this garbage of when, we don't, when the church doesn't agree with something, oh, they hate us. No. If we hated you, we could care less about you. We, we, we wouldn't care about you at all. If we hated you, we wouldn't care about you all. We wouldn't care where you spend eternity. We wouldn't care what you did or how you do it if we hated you. So don't tell me I, ha I don't hate you. If I hated you, I wouldn't say anything to you. It has nothing to do with hate. Well, they hate us. They don't accept us. I, I don't hate anybody. But when you start building your life on the solid foundation, you get a revelation of God's word. You start to realize what's right and wrong. And when you realize what's right and wrong, you begin to tell people, not because you hate them, but because you love them and you see the difference that God wants to make in their life. If we hated people, some of you wouldn't be here today if they hated you. Right? You wouldn't be here. But somebody loved you enough to tell you the truth. And how many know sometimes we don't like the truth? We don't. We don't like the truth sometimes, especially right there at that moment. But can I tell you this? Even if you tell somebody the truth and what they need and they don't accept it right there, you have no idea when they go home at night what they're laying in bed thinking about. Seed planted. Seed planted. I don't accept half the garbage that's going on in our world right now, but I don't hate them. I don't hate them. I love them enough to preach the truth and to see people set free. And it's sad to say that there's a lot of people in the church who claim they're building their life on the solid foundation, but you cannot build your life on the solid foundation and hate people. Can't do it. When you build your life on the solid foundation, you learn to love people even when they're not living the way you think they should live, even when they're living against God's word, you're not condoning, you're not accepting the behavior, but you love them enough to tell them the truth. That's love. Telling people the truth is love, but you will never be able to successfully tell somebody the truth unless you yourself is living in the truth. I don't even know where to go now. Somebody need to hear this this morning. 
Somebody just simply needs to hear that God loves you. He doesn't want to see you go back and forth on the sand. He wants to see you thrive. He doesn't want to live you broken, busted, and disgusted. He wants you to live in success. I believe we serve a God that wants us to live a successful life. I believe we serve a God where the Bible says in John 10.10, the enemy come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. You cannot have an abundant life unless you're built on the rock. It will never happen. Some of you are on like the the three-month plan to church. That's not a solid foundation. I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Don't give me that. If you're truly a Christian, you'll desire to be in fellowship around other people and be in the house of God. You'll never try to convince me otherwise, and I'll never believe otherwise. Why? Because we need each other's help, especially in the firm foundation process. We need each other. I'm the pastor of the church. I preach the messages. But there are times, quite frequently, that I need somebody else. Can I tell you this? I just found out the other day that four to 5,000 pastors as since COVID are quitting the ministry. Every six to eight months. <coughs> Think about that. Four to 5,000. Now that's senior pastors, assistant pastors, people in ministry. They're leaving the ministry. And one of the reasons on there, you study the statistics, one of the reasons on there is because that pastor felt like he didn't have anybody else. That's a scary thing. And why I'm not saying this as a, as a woe is me. I'm saying, I want you to understand this. You don't just need me. I need you. When I hear people say, Pastor, I've been praying for you, that encourages me. When I hear people say, Pastor, that, 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 I, I thought about you this week when I was reading my devotional and remembered what, what you preached on Sunday, that encourages me. When I get a random text or a phone call and somebody says, hey, are you guys doing all right and things like that? Can we do anything for you? That encourages us. Why? Because just because I'm the pastor and we're the pastor's family doesn't mean that we got it all figured out and, our, and we're always on par all the time. Now, I grew up around a lot of pastors that would never give you one slight of an idea that they had anything going on. But that's why when something emotionally happened or a breakdown or any of these things, that's why the church was so shocked because the pastor would always hold everything right in. And anybody who's been here for a period of time, no, I'm pretty transparent. I'll tell you, I don't care because I'm not going to put on this funny face and this fake thing. If, If I got something wrong, I'll tell you something's wrong. But I still, even in those moments, know that if I stay on the firm foundation, I'm going to get through it. I'm going to get through it. But sometimes getting through it is having people walk with you through it. Your firm foundation isn't just for you. Can I tell you what? Even since I've been pastoring for almost 10 years, I've come across people that their foundation is a lot stronger than mine. And they've helped me to make mine stronger. Everybody's been in different places. Everybody's at different areas. Everybody's at, but we can all help each other. Using wisdom and discernment. That's very important. Because let's just be honest. 
And if this shocks some of you, I'll shock you. You can't trust everybody in church. If the Lord gives me discernment and says, do not share this information with this person, don't talk to you about your personal stuff with this person, I'm not going to. And there's a reason the Lord will give me red flags on different people. Now, I'm never going to come up to you and say, well, I was going to tell you something, but Lord gave me a red flag. Maybe some other time. Right? That's not going to happen, but I, I'm just not going to do it. I, I'll, I'll say hi to you. I'll be friendly with you. I'll love on you. But doesn't mean everybody's in, in the circle that God has in my life. Sometimes your circle is small. We're here for everybody. Look, I don't care who it is. If you called me and you said, or me or my wife, and you said, we need prayer, we'll pray for you. We'll love on you. You can share anything with us. But that doesn't mean that's the way everybody is. You got to use wisdom and discernment. Majorly. Majorly. Because there's people sitting inside every church building right now that as soon as you tell them you're going through something, everybody else in the church is going to know about it by the end of the night. And some of you who do that are sitting here this morning. And, and look, correction's fun. But it's wrong. Don't tell me you're on the firm foundation if you're a gossip. Don't tell me you're on the firm foundation if all you do is talk behind people's backs and backstab them. You're not on a firm foundation. You're on a wobbly one that's getting ready to fall to apart. Because when you're on the firm foundation, you operate according to the Word of God. We should be a church that no matter who it is, we're there for each other. Should be. That's ideal. Should be. And the reason that that's not successful in many churches is because, is because we have too many people that are not willing to fully stand on the foundation. Oh, I just got the gift of knowledge. No, you're a gossip. <laughs> that's what it is. You don't have the gift of knowledge. Somebody told you and you gave everybody else the knowledge. <laughs> That's just the way it is. It's not a gift. If you think it's a gift, it's definitely something the enemy gave you and you need to get rid of it. Take it back. Take it back. I don't want this gift. I don't want this. If we're going to stand on the solid foundation, because let me tell you this. If you are a gossiper, your kids will learn to gossip. When me and my wife have conversations about different things, because at the end of the day, that's my wife. That's my wife. And I'm going to tell you, if you come to me and talk to me about something, nine times out of ten, my wife's going to know. Well, Pastor, you're supposed to be confidential. That's my wife. It ain't going anywhere else, but that's my wife. But you better believe if we talk about anything... Them kids ain't around. But boy, does my daughter got some good ears. <laughs> We've talked about stuff not church-related, but stuff before, and we're out in the living room like, we're just talking about it because they're not asleep yet. What does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. 
You're going to start sleeping with your door shut. (laughs) But it's not because I'm sheltering my kids. It's the fact that there's stuff that the kids just don't need to hear. Because if they hear stuff like that, it's going to give them a bad taste. Right? It's going to, look, I, I heard all kinds of stuff growing up, and it gave me a bad taste. Not necessarily just from my, not just from my parents, from people in churches. I heard stuff. I saw stuff. Bad taste. Now, you're not going to shelter your kids from all that stuff. As my kids grow up as pastor's kids, they're going to see the worst of the worst. Any kid in church is going to see things, hear things. Be around things. But what's important is they understand no matter what they hear, what they see, they don't live based off their emotions. They don't live based off their feeling. They don't build themselves on their experience that they had. They build themselves on the solid foundation. On Christ's solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Hon, I don't need you to sing, but can you come and play? I know you can't sing right now, so... Unless you want to try for everybody. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> Being on the solid foundation will give you more wisdom. Being on the solid foundation will actually give you proper knowledge. <laughs> Some of you just have to make that commitment. I'm done with the sand. Have you ever been to the beach before, right? When you were a kid or you see your kids are building something pretty close to the water, right? How many know when the wave comes in or the tide comes in, that castle that they built ain't lasting very long? Why? Because it was built out of sand. It's not going to stay. I mean, when you buy a house, one of the first things you want to know is the foundation good. Everything from the top of the foundation up can be incredible. But that foundation's bad. You all know what's going to take place from there. Little by little, things are going to start to crumble. You might see a crack here in the sheetrock there. You might see this start doing something funky. But you never checked your foundation. Some of you are cracking and falling apart because your foundation isn't right. It's not right. It hasn't been properly built. And the only way you can properly build the foundation is by the Word of God. By the Word of God. Pastor John, I really don't understand the Word. Find some people that do. Find some people that do. Find some people that will help you. Pastor John, I, I really don't know how to pray. Get around people that are prayer warriors. But can I tell you this? God is not looking for you to make some fancy speech. How many are thankful for that? Like I said, I surprise myself sometimes sometimes when I preach, right? I'm thankful I ain't got to go to him with some fancy words. Some Some of you are intimidated by this relationship with God. Oh, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have... No, you get to. You don't have to. You get to. I get to worship him. I get to read the Bible. I get to pray. I get to go to church. I get to have fellowship with the body of Christ. It's not because I have to. I don't get up on, Monday, on Sunday morning and be like, Oh, hon, I have to go preach today. Such a shame. I have to go, I have to go look at everybody today. 
No, I get to go to church. I get to share the gospel. I get to be around other people in the faith. It's an honor. It's a privilege. Look, there's people in other countries right now that are getting murdered for doing what we're doing. Do you realize this? They're getting murdered for what we're doing right now. And we're sitting here freely without a scratch on us. And people are getting murdered, beheaded. Pastor, you're getting intense right now. Some of you need to understand the intensity of how free you actually are right now. They can't, some places can't even have Bibles. I was watching a video the, the other day of people sitting in this prison. They're serving 10 years. I can't remember what country it is. They're serving 10 years for having Bibles on them. 10 years. And we have ours for free and we won't even open it. And they're going to prison for 10 years for sacrificing everything they've got just to get for a moment in the Word of God. 10 years in prison. This guy came upon one lady involved with this and she had all this scripture memorized. He goes, how do you memorize so quick? She said, because I can't have it very long. They find it, they take it away, so you have to memorize it. And we have it every day, either on a shelf getting dusty or somewhere sitting in our house and we, we read, we don't even memorize, we don't even do anything compared to what these countries are doing. And we, we're, oh, we're, we're on the firm foundation. You tell me how solid you are when you're getting a, a, a risk of going to prison for 10 years if you actually start picking up your Bible. You tell me then if you're built on the solid foundation or not. Are you willing to stand on the solid foundation even if it, even if it brings death? Pastor John, why are you going this far? Because I don't want to be accused five years down the road. Pastor, why didn't you tell me? Pastor, why didn't you warn me? I'm not saying it's coming. I don't know what's going to happen. But I can tell you this. For a lot of you people that say, well, that's out there. That'll never come to Maine. I'm going to tell you what. You're going to feel awful stupid here not too long down the road. Just because things are, are going on in other countries. Let me tell you what. It's not going to stay away from the United States forever. And I don't say this to scare anybody. This actually gives me hope. Why? Because a lot of what's taking place has already been written. It's in God's Word, so this gives me hope. Why? Because I know His return is coming soon. His return draweth nigh. And if I stand on the solid foundation, no matter what happens, I know in whom I believe. And no weapon formed against me shall prosper. What is it to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord? Take me out if you want to. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. I mean, don't really want to go right now, but, but I don't have to live in fear. Some of you are living in fear because you simply don't read the Bible. You don't read God's Word. Read it. Study it. Study to show yourself approved. Build on that firm foundation. And watch what God does with your life. Amen.